Welcome to the New Hope Leeward podcast. Aloha, how's it? Our New Hope Leeward online ohana. We're so glad to be with you this weekend. Exactly one week after Resurrection Sunday, after Easter. We had a wonderful Easter celebration last week. We witnessed souls getting saved and many sought out prayer and lives were changed. It was a truly a Holy Spirit weekend. It was a blast. And this weekend, we're starting, we're launching out a brand new series. It's called Abundance, Experiencing the Life That Jesus Promised. It's going to be a short one, not going to be very long, just four weeks. So we're going to look at the promises of abundant life that Jesus gives to all of those that choose to follow him. Last week, there were folks that made that very choice to follow him for the first time. And many that made a choice to return to following Christ again. I believe we had both online and in our in-person service, we had a lot of prodigals that came home last week, and that's so exciting. Both our online ohana and our in-person services, we had a tremendous time. There were also many Christians. We, on Good Friday, there was many Christians that identified and repented of their sin. They came forward for prayer and made fresh commitments to God. So wherever you are, This weekend, coming out of last weekend, maybe you're a new believer. Maybe you're a prodigal coming home or you're a Christian man or woman that made a fresh, fresh commitment to the things of God. We all qualify for the abundant life that Jesus promises. It's in John 10 that Jesus tells tells us that those that choose to follow him, the more we get to know him and draw closer to him, the more we will experience that abundant life he promises in this life, not just the life to come. People misread that sometimes. He's talking about even in this life, there is an abundant promise for us. It's in your notes. John 10.10 says this. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I come so so that they would have life and they would have it abundantly. You're going to be hearing this scripture often through this short series. It's basically the theme for this series. So it'll be repeated time and again. And so we're clear what Jesus means when he promises an abundant life. It's important to recognize what an abundant life looks like. An abundant, it it, it could mean so many things, but an abundant life means a life that your physical needs are being met. Relationships are healthy. Peace and joy in your spirit, no matter what the circumstance. Abundant life could be spiritual healthiness, physical healthiness. Abundant life could be victorious living. It can be a life free of addictions and vices. It can be a life also where all your financial needs are being met. The list could go on and on. There may be other things individually that we all could say qualify for an abundant life. But it's important to note, folks, that while Jesus is so willing, he's so wanting and able to give us this abundant life, yeah, he also makes it clear that we have a part to play in abundant living. Somebody say amen out there. That's right. We have a part to play. When we visit Matthew chapter 6 in your Bibles, it's going to come up on the notes. You'll find it in red letters, meaning the words of Jesus. And this is what it says, Matthew 6. 31 to 33 says this, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33, key. 
But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So it's in John 10, Jesus tells us that he has an abundant life he wants to give us. And in Matthew 6, he tells us what he wants from us in return. It's an interaction. And that's the conversation we're going to have this weekend. We're going to talk about three ways, and there could be many, many more, that you and I can enter into the abundant life. Three ways that uh, we can seek first his kingdom so, so that all the things we need will be given or added unto us. And a quick side note about this message. Sermon prepping for this weekend took me about half the time to prepare than I usually take. You say, what, well, Art, are you getting lazy? What's going on? He said, normally, folks, uh, a 30-minute message for me with everything, including questions and insights and study, usually a 30-minute message, it usually takes between 17 to 20 hours of my life. <laughs> this one only ran me just under nine hours. And I share that tidbit of information for a very specific reason. The reason it took me half the time is because I, had, I only had to do about half the normal time of researching, study, hermeneutics, and ex exegesis. See, why? Why? You might ask me. Very simply, folks, these three methods that we're going to talk about were taught to me as a young Christian. And I lived them out in real time. I speak of these from a real-life experience. It doesn't take a whole lot of deeper and intensive study when you're pulling from your own history, when you're drinking from your own well, when you're drawing from your own memories and your own heart. Okay, so let's look and see how first his kingdom in order, let's see how we can seek first his, excuse me, let's, let, me, let me say that again. Let us look, stop, and see how if we can first seek his kingdom, right, and come to enjoy his promise of an abundant life. As a new Christian, this is what I had to do, right? Again, folks, listen, this message is not only for new Christians, but also for prodigals that found their way home recently, or those Christians that have been struggling with stuff that's held them back from living a victorious or abundant life. Now you're not able to enjoy the promises that Jesus offers. How can we begin to enter into his abundance? You can fill in number one there in your notes. Begin to dig into his abundance. One funeral at a time. <laughs> See what I did there? Dig, funeral. Yeah. Clever, aren't I? Yeah, right. Begin to dig into his abundance, one funeral at a time. See, as a new follower, follower in Christ or a believer who found their way back home to him, your sanctification process should begin with some funerals, some burials that need to happen. What are you talking about, Art? Right? Coming into a new life of abundance, it should find us steadily dropping the dead things that robbed us previously. One step at a time, one day at a time, one victory at a time. What kind of funerals and burials are you talking about, Art? See, for when I first entered into the abundant life and promises of God decades ago, there were dead things, folks, that were fastened on to me. They were fastened on to me. They were entrenched. They didn't want to release me, so I had to be intentional about burying them. I had to be intentional about them. I needed to have a bunch of funerals 
of my past laid to rest. The biggest funeral I needed to have up front was the godless and unhealthy relationships that I was in. I was entrenched in them. Multiple girlfriends in different parts of the islands. I was a pig and I was selfish. I had drug dealer friends. I had drug dealers dealing to me and I had customers coming to me. And this took a long time to bury those relationships because I hope you don't, but if you know anything about drug dealing, you have a downline. In other words, a lot of people take product from you and you front it to them. And so now they owe you money. So I had people, when I got saved, I still had people that owed me money and I needed that money because somebody above me fronted me the, the product. And so I had to pay them back. And so even though I got saved, I had, it took a while to bury these relationships because I had to work everything out. These are the kind of dead things that were stuck to me way too long. I had friends that were party animals and, and they loved to party and they pulled me into that party. I had Kolohe co-workers that got me into trouble at times, right? There were, there, and I listened to me, there were great memories with many of these people and we had good times, but I, I, I began to realize that I was going to need to drop these off to bury these. And basically what I did, even though I had great memories with them, depending on how they embraced my conversion, that was my single filter. How do you embrace my conversion? If they were excited for me and they were happy for me and they, they, were, they were cheering me on, I said, you know what, I can hold on to that. But if they were mad at me, if they didn't like the new art, if they wanted the old art and they were upset with me, I knew it was time to bury that. Bury that behind me. Not to cut them off and disown them, but the idea is love them from afar. I had to let go of that. It was pulling me down. Paul shares a truth that is timeless. 1 Corinthians 15, 33 says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Nine little words, but did you see what he's saying there? Think about that for a moment. He said, if evil company has the potential to corrupt good people, with good habits. People that do good habits are usually good people. If evil company has the potential to corrupt good people with good habits, how much more problematic will evil company have on a new believer that has not even yet developed any good habits? Or maybe the prodigal that is just returning home to the flock after years of sinful living. Evil company corrupts good habits. Wise old Solomon said this, he who Walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. The abundant life happens in that as we bury and, and, and die to the godless and unhealthy things of the past, as we begin to put the restless, excuse me, as we begin to put to rest godless and unhealthy relationships that hinder or stop us more than they help us, it will begin to leave pukas, gaps, Opening, you don't, you were, your, your, your life, my life was filled with so many funky things. And as we begin to let those fall away and drop and bury them, you're going to have pukas and gaps and openings there. When you start burying the dead stuff you, that was once consuming you and I, and guess what with all those pukas? Now you have this, this opportunity, right? You have a new room for God-sized, God-sized dreams, God-honoring relationships, Christ-centered Friendships, and that's exactly what happened to me. As I let it drop off and die off and bury it, I began to have open areas in my life where I could allow godly things in. I've made room for healthier habits and lifestyles. That's abundance. 
Amen? Amen. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we all know it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Have everyone out there online repeat after me. Dead things, got to get buried. Amen. Moving on. What's another way we can begin to enter into his abundance? You can fill in number two there in your notes. Begin to see in his abundance one thought at a time. See into his abundance one thought at a time. You can fill that in. One of the biggest battles I had in the beginning was the battle in my mind. Now, as a believer, I still had to deal with things like memories and experiences of my past. There were videos on the motherboard of my mind. How many know what I'm talking about, right? There were videos. It played back in real time. I struggled with something that many believers struggle with, an unclean thought life, a mind that is constantly getting distracted away from the things of God. My first pastor is a Pentecostal. He used to call it way back then, that stinking thinking. <laughs> I've heard it a lot now, but way back then, he used to tell me, boy, that's stinking thinking. And all of us have struggled with that at times. And as I was taught and I quickly learned that I needed to get more heavenly minded if I'm going to be, be any earthly good to God. I'm going to say that again because you need to hear that. You and I need to be more heavenly minded, heavenly minded, if we're ever going to be any earthly good to God. The Apostle Paul taught me this decades ago when I read in Colossians. It's going to come up. It's in your notes. Set your mind on what? Things above, not on things on the earth. I had this carnal mind that needed to be more spiritually minded, folks. The problem was, was is that I had gigabytes. I had terabytes of, of carnal memories and experiences on this motherboard of my mind. And I only probably had a, a megabyte or a kilobyte of heavenly-minded memories and experiences. I had these terabytes of all this funky stuff. There was a great imbalance there. I had to tip the scales by literally thinking on different things other than past memories and the carnal life. I had to be an intentional thinker. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, she's renowned as a, a clinical and cognitive neuroscientist. And she says this, she wrote a book called Switch on your brain. It's going to come up. That's a quote from her. It says this. As we think, we change the physical nature of our brain. Did you see what she just said? We change the physical nature of our brain. As we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy thoughts. She's saying we can literally change the nature of our brains as we consciously direct our thinking. And I love, Paul says the very same thing in 2 Corinthians 10. Here's what he says. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, intentional, right? And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. To the church in Rome, Paul says this. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new, new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing 
and perfect. The key for me was to set my mind, folks, on things above and not on things on the earth. I was to make new memories that would replace my old memories. But how could I make new heavenly memories and thoughts to replace my multitude, my terabytes of memories and thoughts that were so carnal? I began to make heavenly memories, folks, by memorizing heaven's manual. Yes, the Bible. Think about it, man. Every time I did one simple daily devotion from a few scriptures, every time I did that, right? Every time I did one devotional, right? A little bit of heaven's manual is now a memory of mine. Now it's on my mother. I got a little bit of heaven's manual on my motherboard. Every time I memorize just one of the 31,102 verses in the Bible, if I memorize just one of those, a little bit more of heaven's manual is now on my motherboard, right? Folks, listen, heaven's manual, the Bible, it's like an antivirus for the corrupted motherboard that sits on your shoulders and my shoulders. It's like an antivirus as you and I get into that and understand. The more Bible I got in me, the more my thinking stops thinking. I'm going to say that again. The more Bible I got in me, the more my thinking began to stop stinking. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. You can say amen out there. Paul, when writing to the church in Philippi, he instructs them with a very clear and concise instruction on how and what they should think on. Very popular portion of scripture. Philippians 4, it says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what? Think about these things. Everyone out there online, repeat after me. Stinking thinking. Gotta go. Amen. Finally today, number three. What's another way we can begin to enter into his abundance? You can fill in number three there in your notes. Begin to speak into his abundance. One word at a time. Begin to speak into his abundance. One word at a time. You might find this hard to believe, but when I got saved, it was important that my conversation get saved too because I had a foul mouth. I know. I know you can't believe it. I know. But I had a foul mouth. I was already, when I got saved, I had already been in the military nearly a decade, almost a decade. I was a truck driver for one of the biggest uh, moving companies in the state of Hawaii. You know how truck drivers are. Sometimes Pulling 17-hour workdays, you can get grouchy and get real colorful with your language in. For nearly 20 years, starting in high school, I worked out at the Block Arena on Pearl Harbor. Folks, that's a gym full of sailors and Marines that would work out with me after being deployed out to sea for six months. When they came inland, when they came on shore, there was a colorful conversation. Our, our common conversation, folks, was so colorful. It's like every time we opened our lips... Rainbow confetti was flying out. That's how colorful our language was. It was just natural. Fall words that started with the letters like F, A, S, and B. You know what words I'm talking about. They weren't adjectives to us folks. They were more like nouns and verbs. <laughs> we just, I mean, that's the kind of language I had. Couple all that with the fact that I'm Portuguese. That's a perfect storm. Right there, it's a perfect storm. 
Now as a born-again believer, I began to find scriptures in Ephesians 3 and 8 that tells me this. Excuse me, not Ephesians, Colossians 3 and 8 says this. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. See, it began to open my eyes how displeased God was with swearing and cussing when he, he couples cussing with words like blasphemy, malice, and wrath. Then I came across Ephesians 4 when Paul says this, do not use foul or abusive language. That everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. See, even as a new believer, God made it clear to me in this scripture that not only does he oppose swearing and foul language between me and somebody else, but my words should be good, helpful, and encouraging to anyone that hears me talking, not just the person I'm talking to. The quality of my conversations makes me an ambassador for Jesus to anyone who can hear what's coming out of my mouth. It's a simple truth came to life in me, and it should come to life in you, folks. What I say and how I say it, what you say and how you say matters. I was in danger of sabotaging his testimony in me. So how do I start to hold wholesome and God-honoring conversations with others? God started to show me scriptures like Colossians 4. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. See, folks, I began to notice that I began, as I began to establish, even as a young Christian, a prayer life, and that's so important. As I began to establish, it first and foremost, it governed the way I conversed with God. Talking to him, right? Talking to the creator of the universe daily and engaging in simple conversation with him, right? I, I noticed that I never wanted to disrespect God, even as a, a new believer. I never wanted to disrespect, even with all the mess, I knew enough to revere him. I knew enough to respect him in prayer. And as I made this a priority, folks, in the process of time, I began to have this conversation. I used to call it conversational interactions with God that forced me to govern every word that came out of my mouth. This is the same mouth, folks, for 28 plus years had no government, right? Everything that came out of me just spewed out like a happy volcano. Yet now I realize that scriptures like Proverbs 24, 16, 24, excuse me, was what God really wanted from me. It says here, Proverbs, says here, gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. It was then, folks, that I began to realize, right, that showing verbal honor and respect to God during prayer time, it was easy. That was easy for me to do. Now all I had to do was just offer that same verbal honor and respect. And this is how I did it. I realized that everybody that, everybody that heard me, everybody that listened to me, is somebody that God loved and died for. Right? They, God loved and died. It doesn't matter the saved, the unsaved, the sinner, the saint, the backslider, the hater. Jesus loved them all, and he died for them. Why was it so hard just to respect the ones that Jesus went to the cross for? It shouldn't have been. And after that, it wasn't, right? Was it so hard to respect them? No. The answer is a definitely no. It would never be too hard. I just needed to constantly remind myself, listen to me, that every time I open my mouth, people that Jesus died for are listening. 
Every time I open my mouth, people that Jesus died for are listening. Every time. Doesn't matter if I'm talking to them directly or not. If they can hear me, they matter. Amen? Amen. As we wrap up our first installment of our Abundance series, just one week after Easter weekend, I want to encourage you to embrace the abundant life that Jesus promises you and I in John 10.10. He tells us that this is why he came. He came to give it. And all he asked for us for, from us in return, right, is that we do what Matthew 6.33 says. Seek him first. Put him first. That's all he asked for. He promises an abundant life. Just put him first. Does that mean you're not going to make mistakes? Absolutely, you're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes. We just put him first every years ago. I had to learn all this many, many years ago. And this weekend, I shared with you what God spoke to me about. So just remember, his abundant life called me to conduct a bunch of funerals, as it's going to call you. He's, there are going to be some things that need to get buried. Yeah. That the stinking thinking that plagued my mind's motherboard needed to be repopulated with consistent downloads from heaven's manual, the Bible. And lastly, his reminders taught me that the words that come out of my mouth matter because everyone that hears them is somebody that Jesus loves and died for. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, on this uh, wonderful, wonderful weekend, Lord, where we just, we just, we're still bathing in the afterglow of Easter Resurrection Sunday, Lord. On this brand new week, Lord, as we, uh, we come to you, Lord God, and we want the promises. We say yes and amen to all your promises, God, but especially the simple promise that uh, you have an abundant life, and you came for that reason, God. We recognize that more than ever, Lord. Your children do. And Lord, I don't know. I don't know who struggles with mind battles or the conversation challenges or, Lord, I don't, I don't know. You do. You know everything, God. You, you know each and every one of you. You, you know, God, that uh, there are people in our lives that are good for us. And there's also people in our lives that are not good for us. It's not, they're not healthy for us, Lord. So I pray that you speak to all your children, Lord God. All of them. Just begin to show them, Lord, the dead things that need to drop away. Begin to show them, Lord God. Begin to put a, a thirst and a hunger in their heart to draw from heaven's manual, your Bible, Lord God, so that the, the stinking thinking, Lord, can be replaced with good stuff, Lord. And lastly, Lord God, just give us, give us a government to our lips. Remind, remind us always, Lord God, when we're talking and people hear us, Lord God, you love them. It doesn't matter where they are. They, they, could, they could be haters of God, but you still love them, Father. So that should bring government to the words we speak, Father. We love you so much, Lord. We thank you for loving us first, Lord. We pray all this in the name that is far above every name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Nobly, we love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. We hope you were blessed by this weekend sermon. If this is your first time joining us, we welcome you to check out our website, newhopeleeward.org, to learn more about us and how you can get connected into our ohana. We hope you'll join us again soon.